a very famous, well, he's actually an animal advocate, said, um, and he's a, he's a law professor, and he said, what I've seen over the decades is that when people feel something, they're ready to learn something. That's so true. It sort of opens up the brain. The soundtrack to the Hindi film Water sets the scene this week for my discussion with Deborah Elliott. Debbie and her husband Jim set up a website called Teach With Movies 20 years ago to help parents and teachers use films to inspire and motivate students to learn. With the support of specialist teachers, the site now boasts over 425 learning guides and resources, a pretty impressive effort for what is a labour of love. This episode is a first for me and this show, where we explore films from a curator's point of view. Also, be aware that we spend a fair bit of time talking about feature-length rather than short films. But don't worry, there are plenty of film snippets that can be used, so be sure to check out the notes. For now, sit back and enjoy the show. The best short films for lifelong learning are recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. How did Teach With Movies come about? Um, our... Son, who is now 30, was 10 years old, studying the uh, civil rights movement, which happened at that grade. Happens at that grade in in California, and my husband said, "Why don't we show him a film that would give him some context so he'd understand that it it didn't uh, just hit us in America out of the blue?" So he said. Um, he wandered around Blockbuster and said, "That's it." He had a eureka moment. I'm going to show him the film Gandhi, and we're going to watch it together. So we watched it together, and the next day in the car, this little voice pipes up from the back seat. Well, what, what what was a guy from India doing in South Africa? And we said, well, da 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 da. And a couple of days later, there was another question about you know what was actually going on in South Africa at the time. And so you know, kids like to watch things over and over and over again. So we watched it again. More questions followed. And we thought, this is great. We're having a good family discussion, and he's more interested in what's going on at school because of this film. Then we decided we would show him uh, Dr. Strangelove because he was a pretty uh, funny little kid to show him what was, give him another perspective on what was going on in the Cold War. And that, lots of discussion. And then I showed him my favorite film, which I'd seen pretty recently, which is my favorite film to this day, um, Baz. I think I say Baz. Baz Luhrmann's Strictly Ballroom. And he watched that about 10 times. The man is is such a genius. Anyhow, he watched it because I'm a dancer. He watched it 10 times. And, you know, he's been playing baseball and, you know, Little League up until then. And he comes to me and he says, I think I could do flamenco. And I said, what? Hey. <laughs> My son wants to take dance classes. This is fabulous. So I had, I had him in a dance class, in a flamenco class uh, that weekend. Turned out he was fantastic. He really had a gift. He did it till middle school and then couldn't withstand the pressure. But it, by that time, we had, you know, we said this could be life changing. Watching films and watching them in a context, you know, uh, with family discussion, watching it together. And we'd heard from a man whose life had been changed by watching um, Shall We Dance, which was another film that looked at the world of ballroom dancing. And we're going, this is extremely powerful. We have to create a website for parents to help them uh, back and support and enrich what their kids are doing in school. So we started it for parents 
But a couple, I guess it was about a year later, we saw that most of our users were teachers, not parents, and then decided to move it in the direction of real lesson plans. We went back to school and got uh, certified as teachers, and um, it continues to this day. Fantastic. So it really came from that personal, your your own child's story, which I think for me too, you know, having children now is is something that keeps the, you know, the spark alive because you, you, you can really bring things alive, you know, and you watch, you can get that immediate reaction. Um, and I think uh, also homeschooling is big in the States. We certainly have homeschooling here in Australia, but um, you'd be connecting with a lot of um, parents who are also teachers as well. Is that what you're finding? We do. We do have a lot of homeschoolers and they're very willing, you know, their time constraints aren't the same and they're very willing to make creative use of films and, and we do get a fair amount of feedback from them and it's it's really uh, exciting. Mm. So tell me about your, your educational connection then. So I think your husband's a lawyer or he's, he's studied, certainly studied law. Um, he's a lawyer. And um, I had a bunch of part-time jobs while we were raising our kids and then Teach With Movies started about 20 years ago. And I actually spent some full-time, one semester full-time teaching because I'm already at this point in my 60s after we got our, our certification. And I was working 60 or 70 hours a week and I thought, I really love being with teenagers. I love high school, but I, I think maybe I'd be better off as a sub and still working on Teach With Movies and getting into the classroom to try things out. But full-time teachers have my utmost admiration. I just don't know how they live and and do the work that they do. Um, to, talk to me then about the uh, – there's one clip that you just told me, and I just watched it then. It's called um, Suntory Time. Actor Bill Murray is on the set of a Japanese TV commercial. The director is gesturing wildly about how to deliver his lines. In Japanese, Bill looks lost. The translator steps in. Like an old friend and into the camera. Okay. They exchange a few final looks. They go for a take. For relaxing times, make it Suntory time. Director storms in. Bill looks completely confused. It's absolutely, it's absolutely a scream as he sits there. Yeah, yeah. Our youngest son is a composer and he lives in Tokyo. And every and he's fluent in Japanese. It's wonderful. Every time, and I adore Tokyo. Every time I come back, I watch Lost in Translation again because that's the film about these you know, these two people who wind up in Japan and. Um, and I just remember when I saw the film the second time thinking how hilarious the Suntory Time uh, segment was. And that's on YouTube in several different iterations. And I thought I was watching, you know, the, the Japanese who's, you might call him verbose, but basically he's loquacious. That director, he's very expressive and he's talking a mile a minute and he's into what he wants. And the translator's trying to get it to Bill Murray, who is laconic as they come and just wants to looks like he just wants to be drinking, you know, a martini. I forget what he has in his hand. And I thought, well, that's it because we had loquacious as a vocabulary word. And so I thought, you know, these kids are going down this list of vocab and they're really sick of it. So I showed them the Suntory time 
excerpt snippet and I said, so, okay, who's loquacious? Who's laconic? Okay, then they were in, they were in it. And then we could talk about synonyms. And um, so it was just a fun little thing that I just happened to do because I love that film. So, so have you? How much have you actually experienced the the use of these films in class? I know you've done a lot of uh, lecturing and, and professional development for teachers, but what sort of observations have you had of students actually responding to this? Oh, I'll tell you one. I was before I became a teacher. I I was guest, or before I was working at this high school, I was in Mary Red Clay's English class as a guest teacher. And I showed a remarkable film. I'm trying to think. It didn't get the Oscar that year, but it was nominated. It was called Water by a Canadian uh, director. She is of um, East Indian heritage. In this movie trailer, a young woman is praying. Words on the screen say, The scriptures say that widows have three options. Marry your husband's brother burn with your dead husband or lead the life of self-denial subtitles over alternating shots of a couple in different locations read all the old traditions are dying out but what is good should not die out and who will decide what is good and what is not it's just a remarkable, remarkable film, and it's got all kinds of goodies in it for English teachers, symbolism, illusions, um, amazing. And um, we gave him a writing assignment at the end of the film, and Mary said to me a week later when I saw her, she said, you know, I had a kid in this class. We could never figure out if he was gifted or had some real impairment because he won't say much. And he hadn't written anything, but in response to water and everything you talked about, I got three pages from him. And that was absolutely thrilling because it was the key that unlocked something in that kid and probably gave her something to go on for the rest of the school year. And the, the protagonist is a little girl who's a widow. And, but yet this, this was a, a Hispanic boy and something in it touched him so deeply and a, a friend of mine has said, um, movies increase our empathy quotient. And I think it's so true. It's what you were talking about. You have this sense of immediacy and it's, you know, sensorily, it's like you're the fourth, fourth, you're in the fourth corner of the room and you're there with the other characters. And it just can have a, just has a really intense, immediate effect on people emotionally. Yeah, definitely. I, I wonder if that's changed. Like, certainly that has been my passion for the last, you know, more than 20 years, the the power of films to in, engage us on all these different levels. But I just wonder, um, you know, when I grew up, TV was, you know, kind of the regular diet of, of moving image and, and movies were special. But, you know, it's almost like there's such an overwhelming amount of moving image content. Now, I wonder whether movies... Even even short films have lost some of their potency because we're just so bombarded with so many images and whatever these days. Do you think that we still have the, you know, the 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 power that film can have to to change us and open us up to other people's worlds? Yeah, I we we talk about this as well because I sometimes tell the kids that when I tell them to put their cell phones away um, and their hands start 
you know, inching down towards their pockets that they remind me of Peter Sellers and Dr. Strangelove trying to end his Nazi salute by pulling his arm down. You know, they can't, they just can't stay away from the cell phones. And everything that comes, that comes at them, it comes in such fast, short bursts. And I, I have wondered, are their nervous systems changing as a result of this? Are they ever going to be able to watch a full length film or are they, or what about reading a novel? You know, that's even more, I guess, that's even further in the past. What's going to happen to them? But I think that what films give us, and, and short films give us, but in a different way, is a kind of a quality of immersion in a world. That's what you get with a longer film where there's a story arc and the world is gradually revealed to us and the characters. And I, and I have even like said to them, listen, you know, this is going to take you, you're going to have to watch this. We're watching, this is when you have the luxury of showing a full film. It's going to take two periods and then we're going to write and talk about it. And I say, this is really good for you so that you, you mentally know how to attend to something and watch it develop and not happen instantly, instantly, instantly. I think there are some films that are just, that are so important. Oh, okay. I'll give you another example if you don't mind. Um, Baz. Uh, again, his Romeo and Juliet, just incredibly valuable for teachers, for English teachers, again, because I'm an English teacher, of showing motif and metaphor and symbolism visually. I was actually showing it for the second time, second semester to a class. They were reading Romeo and Juliet. And I remember thinking, oh, this is so clever. Water is his symbol for the innocence of their love. There's the swimming pool. They fall into the pool and they're looking at each other through the aquarium. Water, it's wonderful he's doing this. And then Romeo eventually kills Tybalt. Tybalt falls into a fountain and his blood starts spreading through the water. And that's when I screamed, holy shit, look what he did with the blood in the water. I was so thrilled that he had actually carried this done it so thoughtfully. I don't know if it was subconscious, but it was such a great way for me to show the kids symbolism and, and motif and to show them because there are a lot of kids that you can show it. If they get it visually, then they can translate it to text, the whole concept because of, you know, multiple learning styles. So I think there's some films that are so significant that I I have a list of about five or 10 of them that I think every kid should see before they get out of high school. And when we can't do that, or when we just want to punch up a lesson, we can use something shorter. Let's jump then to the actual website, Teach With Movies. Tell, sell it to me. Why, why, why is it so good? How does it work? How do you find stuff? Um, you know, I see that you can do a search, but there you've got alphabetical listings, you've got subject themes. Talk, talk me through how it works. Yes, cross indexes, um, and the format remains, um, is virtually the same for every single, just about every single guide. So it's uh, very user-friendly. It's pretty easy to find a film in your content area. Um, and, and at the very beginning, uh, we might have something like world history, Australia, social emotional development. So you can, you know, zero in on what you're looking for. And there's always the um, rationale for using the film in case you have to explain yourself to your principal or to your parents. Um, and then the background material, which is what the teachers can just run over quickly um, to, to see how they are going to link it to what else they're doing in the classroom and how to, to front load for the kids before they see the film. And then um, 
discussion questions, projects, and, and I, uh, there's a teacher at our school who's taken some um, Latino filmed films that we've covered, and he's taken the discussion questions and he's put them into the Cornell Notes format because that's very popular now. So basically, it's designed to be, you know, that's the two columns with the chunk of something and the response. And so it's designed to be as user-friendly as possible. We don't really have pages that you can download as pages per se, but it's pretty easy for teachers to format. You know, we have, uh, and we have generic uh, responses to historical films, all kinds of generic worksheets and short and long answer. You know, if you just want to make sure the kids are paying attention to the film and then you might go on and do something, uh, a short essay or a class project uh, that's a little bit, requires a little more student and teacher time. And also as much as possible, because we do love text, is links to reading. Yes. And tell me how that fits in. You know, I, I, early on running the campfire thing, I, I heard about other sites like, you know, Wing Clips and Common Sense Media that are doing similar things in a different way. So where do you sort of fit in this space? I think we've got such incredible depth because we've got guides to over 400 films. And, and we have pretty much, I mean, we talk about this. Should we change our format? Uh, we've been talking about this recently, but we've kept the same format so that teachers who are familiar with the site can just go to it, get what they need, um, and, and be out of the site. We, you know, we're not making any money from it right now. I don't know how that is different for some of the other. I know there, there are some, I think there are some film guide groups in in Britain that are supported by the government. But we're not going to have a government that supports anything. (laughs) Yeah, I think, is it Wing Clips? There's one of them, one of them had a base, um, I wonder if that's it, screenshots, Wing Clips, I'm not sure, but one of them had already built a kind of a Christian, had a Christian homeschooling base. Um, I'm not sure if that's the one you were talking about, but ours is, I think, just for the breadth and the direct tie to academic standards, you put all those things together. And, oh, and there's another great one called Journeys in Film that extremely elaborate guides. We've uh, talked to their uh, person who created that site, um, but there are far fewer of them. They're international understanding, which is very important. They're aimed at middle school. And I think at most they have 15 or 20 guides, whereas we have 400. So we're kind of, kind of almost a little bit more encyclopedic. Yeah, yeah. And I guess with uh, Common Sense Media, that's um, addressing more of the viewing with less of an educational focus. So I guess what Teach With Movies is offering is, the, is that connection to the, to the actual learning outcomes and what, why you would show this in a, in a learning setting. Yeah. Right, to academic standards. And again, it's, it's really one of the reasons is justification that a teacher, because principals who think that that teachers are just using movies as babysitters will be, they'll be very, you know, don't do that. Oh, you're just showing movies. That's nothing. And in fact, we've had teachers take our materials to principals and say, no, this is what my kids are doing. This is the writing that's coming out of this. You can see that it's very carefully tied in uh, with text and with other learning objectives. Mm. I'm interested in the, the subject area. You know, the site covers all sorts of areas. So right down to, you know, science and even maths. I always think math is one of the hardest things for films to deal with. But you have you have some great ones there. I was looking at, uh, I think, Donald in 
Math Magic Land, and it and it and a 1959 Academy Award nomination. It got it. Rem- and I was, and I'm thinking. I wonder if that was the film that I remember seeing in the in the 70s in in primary school. I I have this distinct. You know, you have these images that sort of burnt into your brain, and one of them was um, say the Donald Duck or one of the existing characters playing snooker or pool, and and scanning the table in his head and, and calculating calculating the angles to get the ball in the hole. And I'm just going, that's amazing. And I think my little light bulb came on from maths for me for then, you know, just and so films like that, you know, there there are many films, but there are it's it's a difficult area to go into. Or it becomes different, I think, when you're talking about um English versus the the I guess what you would call the harder the the science areas and those things. There's a different style of filmmaking. Can you can you share any thoughts about that? Um, well, we did work with a a guy a P, a guy who had a PhD in math who was living in the Canary Islands um, for a while. He did a lot of the science guides. We were very grateful for that um, because I think, and I've actually talked to people that have thought about math their entire lives, and they've said stuff to me like. We just, it's not just geometry that should be taught visually. Algebra can also be taught visually and there's huge and should be. And, um, and there are big shifts now, people uh, discussing whether or not we should still be basing the higher math that everybody has to take in high school on, on algebra, which was a 12th century um, Arab invention. But now we have spreadsheets and do we need to rethink this and kids struggle so much with math. And I'm thinking that for math and science, the, the snippets and the shorts are just excellent. And they should be um, even anim- yeah, animations. Animations help kids who are struggling with math. It's not just, you know, not just a diagram, but show me what happens as I go through the steps of, you know, manipulating the equation this way. Or I, I just think that there's a huge future in that. And so... Um, and then, of course, you can have a few really exciting, scary things like contagion or outbreak in terms of uh, of science. I'm still wondering what the next great, if it will ever be made, full-length film about math will be. But there was a Spanish film that was out several years ago that was kind of like a horror mystery thing involving people who were going to be crushed in a room because they didn't solve a theorem. And I thought, well, is this the next thing we're going to do with math? Yeah, well, and I noticed one of your examples for physics, you know, you're talking about Newton's first law of motion and the, you know, centrifugal force and artificial gravity by using 2001, a space odyssey, you know. And I think it's that storytelling which which is what draws people in, which is – Something you just don't find as much. So the you know the National Geographic, BBC, Discovery Channel type programs, whether they're features or shorts, you know, have a, a more of a sort of a how-to sort of fact-based um, angle to them. And yet, and I think what's powerful and what you you and I I think have been trying to do over the years is find the the storytelling that that sort of more emotional connection to content, regardless of the the subject area that we're dealing with. Absolutely, a very um, famous. Well, he's actually. Actually, an animal advocate said, um, and he's a prof- he's a law professor, and he said, uh, "What I've seen over the decades is that when people feel something, they're ready to learn something." That's so true. Mm-hmm. Whatever we do to evoke the emotional response, the engagement. It sort of opens, yeah, it just opens up the brain. Yeah. So how do you decide what what makes it into your curation? You know, who what what do you get notes written for? Um, I think. 
I think it's almost like a eureka moment at the end of a film or during during a film. Um, uh, for example, the two two things that really hit us. Um, I'm doing the background reading now for a film called Hidden Figures about the um, quote colored computers, the women who helped get the U.S. ahead in the space race before computers. They actually computed and they were recruited and they worked at Langley in Virginia, U.S. And this is incredibly inspirational. It's a, a chapter in the troubled and Baroque history of race relations in this country um, that nobody knew about. And um, so we're going to do a guide about it because these women were remarkable. The program was remarkable. It'll fit into science. It'll fit into uh, social studies. So it's if something like hits us on several different levels, it's pretty much, okay, that's it. And also for history, again, there is a film that was out recently called The Free State of Jones. And it was about... Um, about uh, a man who actually, with a band of others, seceded, a white, non-wealthy Southerner seceded from the uh, Confederacy. And it was a linkage between working class whites and escaped slaves in the South during the Civil War. Free State of Jones, absolutely riveting movie. It has to be in there. Nobody, no, nobody who knew about this stuff. And sometimes films, oh, and one more film that we absolutely adore. It's called Agora with Rachel Weiss. And it's about the, um, about the uh, philosopher Hypatia or Hypatia, which the Brits might say in Alexandria and how, what an important figure she was in philosophy and math and in the pagan world and what happened in Alexandria when all the religions clashed and the people who were beginning to think about the heliocentric, you know, nature of our solar system. And we get people looking at that now and we get people looking at iron jawed angels every month near the top of our list about the uh, U.S. suffragists who were, you know, agitating at the same time that the suffragettes were in Britain. So it's really it's kind of like a eureka moment or, oh, my God, we have to do this or wouldn't this be good? So we don't really have a methodology, unfortunately. But people send us suggestions and then we look at the films and see where it would fit. At this point, Debbie's husband, Jim, joined the conversation. And so what would you say to, what would you say to filmmakers then? What's your, your message to filmmakers about making good content that, that, is, that can find a home in an educational setting? Good question. All right. Great question. Be truthful as much as you can to if the it's history. To yeah, if it's history, to the um, to the historical record and vary it in reasonable ways. I've been thinking that we should send a copy of the learning guides of maybe our top thirty films to all to the directors who did them because I don't know if if they I mean they need to be telling true stories, truth of the heart. Uh, truth in very large terms of what's happened historically or in terms of, you know, the latest advances in astrophysics. But um, I just, I once did send for, I think, one of the greatest films that's ever been made. It's the the learning guide that I most enjoyed um, writing that took me into another universe of, of learning about honor cultures. It's a Brazilian film by Walter Sales called Behind the Sun, and it's about blood feuds and I sent, I was just, the film just so overwhelms me with its genius and 
he actually once kind of almost dissed the film because he said it wasn't a wild and crazy film set and I wanted to go punch him. <laughs> so I sent, I, I found out who his agent was and I called the agent and I said, listen, I don't want anything from him. I'm not pitching anything, but could I send you the guide that we wrote about this film? Because I don't think he even, he knows what a great thing he did. He doesn't understand everything that he did. So she said, sure. And I sent it to him. Never heard a thing. I don't know if she gave it to him. I don't know if he didn't care. But I wish I wish we could find a way to let directors know that they have, in, in many cases, made more than they think they were making um, and provided a service they didn't even know they were providing. I don't know. I feel like at, at some level I just wish they knew because um, – you know, it's all about the box office and the audience response and what the critics say. But these people have um, just set up a treasure chest for us to kind of mine. And I'd, I'd like to let them know what they've done. And I, I think if I would say something to filmmakers now that I'm thinking about it, it is that more and more they have a responsibility to, as Debbie said, uh, uh, tell the story from the heart and truthfully from the heart and so for example with this movie uh behind the sun it's based on a book on honor cultures set in albania and he moved it to brazil because it just fits and it is absolute truth from the heart and it's an incredibly great educational film but most filmmakers have to understand this is a post-literate generation so most people remember what occurred in these historical events from the film. So, for example, you have a movie like All the President's Men. Everybody remembers Watergate from All the President's Men. There was a whole big other part of Watergate that wasn't in that movie. Or the same thing about Selma. And Aust but Australian films as well. They can Every single film. Every whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that, I think it's, it's an increasing responsibility. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Was there anything else that you wrote down? I'm, I, at some point along the way too, I, I hope to um, come up with sort of three recommendations of either short clips or short films or whatever that, that I can extract from the conversations that we've had to date. So is there any off the top of that your head that you'd like to bump up and say, let, let's make this in the, in the three? One is um, from a very violent movie called Man on Fire. Oh, yes. I told him about yes, that. That is... Yes so amazingly great from an educational standpoint and, and, and so unknowing by the filmmaker. Yeah, well, I told you when I when my sister told him, he said, oh, that's absolutely brilliant. He had no idea that it was, and, and that a lot of teachers do teach the hero's journey. They're teaching Joseph Campbell, you know, it's a thing. Archetypes. And so archetypes, so that fits into that, and um, it was absolutely phenomenal. I did this. I had the luxury to show the full film, but there was a film with um, Cameron Diaz and Shirley MacLaine called In Her Shoes, and it was based on a young adult novel about sisters, plenty of social-emotional. And we actually... We have a snippet we, on that. We have a snippet on that. We've cut it up so that you can actually show pieces of the movie. But what I did was we were doing poetry analysis, and I showed these three different... Um, put down, passed out 
handouts of these three different poems. And we started to talk about the images and about the themes and da 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 And then without any further ado, I showed them in the film. And it turns out that Cameron Diaz is reading each of these three films to... Three poems. Three poems, sorry. To this, to this old uh, guy in a, in a rest home. And you could hear when she first started reading the first one, you could hear the whole room go, <gasps> it was like, oh, wow. It was kind of like an aha moment. And so, and then we talked about how they, how they felt that watching the film had enriched or changed their interpretations of the film in terms of the way the characters were relating to each other and their development. And I have to say it was one of the best uses of film you know, I've ever been able to make, but what we did was we cut it down into a bunch of snippets so that the teacher can just show her basically reading it and not go through the entire film, which would be a great service if you could do that with lots well, of films. We really didn't cut it up. What we did was we told the teacher to go to different mm, sections of yeah, the DVD. That's what I mean. Because we've yes. never been able to get authority from Hollywood to cut up for a movie. I'm in this movie trailer, we see short scenes of the main characters. What are you doing here? I'm Rufio. In an old folks' home. It's a retirement community for active seniors. Titles say Cameron Diaz, Tony Collette, Shirley MacLaine. I always envy you girls. You had a bond that I'd never had with anyone. Find all the film links and related notes in the description and look out for the edited highlights of this discussion on YouTube. This show is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. This episode was recorded with Zencaster.